We're going to do things a little different today. I'm going to give you a little preface about this episode. I normally don't, and I normally just drop my listeners straight into the conversation because that's how I like to listen to things. But today I'm going to do it a little different. So I reached out to Ben uh, via Instagram, never met him before, never talked to him in person before our recording of this podcast. I discovered him from some uh, previous guests of my show that had posted about it online. And, you know, I just shot him a message and I said, hey, we make similar content and we both like to talk to people. So let's sit down and talk about what it's like doing what we do as creative people making podcasts, talking to other creative people. And he was uh, excited to oblige. So I went over to his studio. We sat down, we talked uh, for about an hour and a half and we had a good conversation about uh, how we do what we do, why we do what we do. Um, a, l- a little bit of this and that back and forth about how we choose to operate our, our, our programs. And, you know, obviously his, his program is a little longer running. He's got a hundred or so episodes and I'm on episode 27 or so, I think right now. And he, he's a bit more polished and professional than mine. And I like being a little rough around the edges. And, uh, you know, we both have a really good program in my opinion. So I just wanted to sit down and talk to him about how he does what he does and there were some parallels and differences, and it was fun to discover those. And I had a good time sitting down talking to Ben and being on the South of Scruffy podcast. So, you know, you guys, I had a good time chatting with the man. Uh, he had a good time chatting with me. We both recorded it, and we're both going to put it out on our perspective uh, channels. So, you know, go check him out. He runs the South of, South of Scruffy podcast, and this is the KAAMP I hope y'all enjoy listening. I certainly enjoyed recording. Uh, you know, enjoy. Normally, just set my levels on my on my board, yeah, and then say to hell with it. Yeah, I'm I'm the engineer here, though. You know, I'm the engineer too. Court on the left, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so I got to make sure if there's any weirdness. Like used to there, uh, so if people had their cell phones not in airplane mode, before I had these mics, these SM7s, it would. Uh, it would cause interference and I could hear it during the, uh, during the podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've had that issue a little bit. How's it sound? Uh, I sound okay. I think. Yeah. Am you can I... pull that like this far away from you. Yeah. About right there. Yeah. Point it right at your pie hole. My pie hole. <laughs> Let's see. Right there. That'll How's that work. feel? Uh, yeah, it's fine. Cool. Yeah. Comfortable. Let's go. How are you, man? Sips of beer, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm doing okay today. Today has been a day of um mildly enjoyable self-care i went to the dentist and then i went and got a haircut so you look great oh thank you um i wish we were doing video for this one so everybody could see you well i'm in public enough so you know they can find me out and about i'm (laughs) easy to recognize uh you know just doing those things and and now i'm here after uh you know being mildly social so dentist and and haircut that that's self-care yeah, yeah, for sure. You didn't Expensive get a massage okay. or anything? I, I needed a massage. I did not get one. My and, wife got me. About it. My wife got me a uh, a massage envy membership for uh, Christmas. Have you used it yet? No, I tried to yesterday, but they were closed <laughs> because of snow. Ah, uh, they were like, we canceled your appointment. And we didn't tell you. Oh, how sweet! Yeah, wasn't that nice? I mean, but I mean, it's understandable. I don't blame them, but like a phone call would have been cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not like they don't have my info, right? Yeah, I got you on file. Yeah. Um. Cool. Yeah, it was it was an okay day. It needed to happen. It's been a minute since I went to the dentist, so I figured I'd go knock that out. Yeah, clean sheet. You good? Uh, you half good? good right now. Okay. I'm gonna do the other half later. Okay. You got to go get drilled on. 
Um, scaled. Oh, I don't know what that is. Uh, they use a specific tool to clean around your gums at the base of your teeth. Ah. Knock all that tartar junk off of there. Okay. I don't know about that. Apparently, yeah. I had a good bit of it. So, you know, they're just like, we got to get that out. Yeah. All right, got to work. <laughs> How long have you been in Knoxville? I've lived in Knoxville for around a decade now. I think this coming uh, February will make a decade. Okay. You're from the the northeastern part of the state or correct north, you know. uh hancock county for for those that know for those of you playing at home yeah for those of you playing at home i moved here a while back college and then just stuck around town yeah. um it's uh, upper northeast tennessee on the border of virginia like i can be in lee county virginia like 30 minutes from my mom's house yeah so uh really close to virginia and a lot of nice people and a lot of better scenery yeah, yeah, it's nice looking up there. Lots of good driving roads, lots of nice mountain views. It's it's a nice place to be. Yeah, I was. Uh, we lived in Cumberland Gap when I was born. When I, I guess I was born in Knoxville, but then we moved to Cumberland Gap right after after that. And like our, you know, backyard up the street was in Virginia. Yeah, you know, it's right there on the border. It's a poor part of the uh, of the state. Bell County, Kentucky was right across yeah. the border too. Which Middlesbrough's is, up there. I used to hang out a lot there as a teenager. Yeah, Middlesbrough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember when we were there, The I think the um, household income for uh, in Bell County was like $7,000 or something like that. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, there's a lot of poverty in that part of the state. It's a hard sure. scrabble living. Um, uh, for the record though, like I grew up like, lower middle class i'd say mm. you know pretty pretty average in a not so average place i guess that's good it it definitely helped yeah well uh school brought you down here uh and and getting out of said small town yeah like i grew up here uh, i got family in town you know uh uncles and some cousins and whatnot so i usually you grew up coming down here then yeah i spent a okay. lot of time down here as a kid yeah. uh couple weeks every summer for you know a few years and then just randomly you know whenever i wanted to be down here after i got my driver's license and uh yeah. drive, drive the hour and a half to the big city you know man the the 90 minute drive i can take three turns on this whole like 90 mile drive yeah that's great and then i'm from hancock county to knox county yeah uh how, uh, how far from the tri-cities are you up there uh equidistant or okay. so like it, it's is it a, a tougher drive though I don't enjoy it as much because yeah. I think the highway drive that you t you pretty much have to take there is yeah. is not as pretty. But that's I'm biased. Like my sister lives in Johnson City. She'll tell you it's gorgeous. Yeah. And I you know, I went south, she went north. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, tell me about your podcast. All right. So the podcast is the K and uh stands for the Knox Area Artist Networking Platform. It's just uh, an idea I had and the particular execution of it where I wanted people to discover artists in a time where it was hard to. Mm. You know, people weren't going out because of COVID and lockdowns and, you know, wherever or whatever you happen to be, you know, the, the circumstances upon you. So I thought, you know, people listen to podcasts. I like talking to people. Surely this is an okay way to share artists so they can be found or, you know, enjoyed yeah. And uh just wanted to give those folks a platform, people I run into, people I meet, uh, you know, other folks that I find on social media, you know, I just extend the olive branch. It's like, hey, you want to talk? <laughs> and uh and sometimes we end up across the table such as we are now. Yeah. But uh I just like talking to people, seeing what they do, how they do, why they do. 
Yeah. I'll pick their brains a little bit. It's been going well, you think? Um, 26 or so episodes in. It's been positive so far. Yeah. I like the experience of meeting and talking to people. Um, but I also like sharing just as much because yeah. the backside of that and making sure people get it in a manner that they can enjoy is also a, a technical challenge that I like to attempt. Sure. So what drew you to artists? Uh, Why the artist community? Uh, I feel it's underserved, first yeah. and foremost, especially you know in towns like this that have so much potential but not a lot of self-given spotlight mm. you know knoxville is a big music city but the visual artists don't get as much rep and um there's a lot of talent here and there's not a lot of ways to find it yeah so you know i felt like sharing people in their art and their experiences through this format interesting so just do you do you stick strictly to visual artists no, I just haven't branched out much okay. as of yet because most of the people I've networked with so far are musicians or visual artists, uh, engineers, brewers, mechanics, you know, whatever. Like yeah. the gamut is wide as far as the term creative goes because I'm not trying to be too exclusionary with a rigid definition of what people do with their creativity. Yeah. I mean, it could be you paint pictures of clowns or something, or you're you built this custom hot rod that's a full tube frame, and you know, yeah, all that technical stuff too is just as much of a creative process as making a piece of visual art, as comparison, in my opinion, of being a creative person. Yeah, I agree. With my podcast, it's like I started off just like artists and entertainers, and then that like that definition started to it gets creep. Real, it gets fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. It started to fuzz up a little bit, get a little bigger too. And then there were people that were doing interesting things in like academic spaces too, that I wanted to talk to. Um, and so then it's like, okay, well I'm not just, you know, I, I can't just be stuck in a genre anymore. I'm, right. I'm now just able to talk to anybody. Yeah, and, that's, you're gonna... and that's okay. But that, but it makes it hard to then tell people in 10 words, what your podcast is all about. Like I interview artists and entertainers. That's easy. But like, <laughs> you know, I interview artists and entertainers or people who interest me and the things that interest me are, you know, then you're, right. it's just like, it, it becomes a little harder to be succinct about what you're, uh, what the, you do. The concise sentence about it though is, is whatever it needs to be. But once they fall in the rabbit hole, you know, it just gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Like oversimplification in the tagline, you know, sure. I, it doesn't bother me. You got, it you, does make it hard though. 100%. Yeah, the, you got to do it though. You got to have you got to have ten words that say what you do. I just I said I talk to creative people in and around the Knoxville area. There it is. I hope that works for everybody. Yeah, I really really do. Are you on all the platforms? As many platforms as Anchor distributes to in its native network. Okay. Uh, it, I like the experience so far. I haven't been on there, but for maybe a dozen episodes or so. Oh. Okay. So we'll see. But you said you've done 20... Yeah, I started with a different hosting provider and uh, then switched to Anchor. Okay. Like halfway through. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a whole... I wonder if I ever need to switch, like how hard it is to migrate. Mm, it wasn't terrible, but it was mildly frustrating. I mean... Yeah. As most like switchover scenarios are. <laughs> but um, I would do it again if I had to. It wasn't a scenario that I would just hate to repeat. Who were you with before? Uh, RSS. Uh, it's okay. rss.com they're they're a hosting site yeah they i thought they, the rss was the feed they, this is the site that started the feed i guess no way i guess I okay uh but i use fireside i have no idea what that is i've never heard of it it's fine it's fine yeah <laughs> it's fine 
Well, it works. It works for you, right? <laughs> yeah. It okay. Does. Cool. Yeah, it does. And then you know you you distribute to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, and then it seems like everybody else just kind of finds it from those three. Like there's like Google Play. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'll get I'll get you know uh, metrics from all those places, and it's like. X number of people downloaded you on something you've never heard of. Yeah, I get that every now and again. I'm more surprised when people in India listen to my show. I know. I know. I, I am too. Yeah. Um, I have like 1.5% Indian listeners at this, you know, in this period right now. Yeah. So I'm just like, what is going on here? That's great. This has to be a typo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. Or, or maybe somebody has DuckDuckGo or like a, a like a, uh, what's it called? A DNS, uh, uh, like a where you use a different DNS server or VPN. Well, yeah. yeah, VPN, but but then you can also make your computer think you're somewhere else, I guess. So you can watch, so you can watch Indian Netflix. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, yeah, so you know, uh, people in the UK have listened to my stuff. Um, RSS. The one thing I do miss about the RSS stuff was that um, you had a heat map that was a 3D globe of the Earth, and you could see everywhere since the beginning people had listened to your stuff and i had stuff all over eastern europe and like northern africa and i was like why yeah why that's great but how'd they find you you think uh i have no idea i it's probably some like hashtag in those common languages that it's just like some <laughs> stupid word and then Somebody they just end up finding my stuff uh, yeah. But I know if you search KAAMP as just like a general tag on Instagram, a lot of content from India comes up. Ah. So that's the only real link I've ever found. Like, I don't know what it means or what, gotcha. how it's relevant, but yeah. that's what happens. Gotcha. <laughs> so what'd you do in college? Uh, I studied 3D design and visual communication. So I got one of them artsy degrees. And uh, since then, the school has been shut down by the government. So I got this nice piece of paper that looks really pretty on the wall. What school? It. It, I went to ITT Tech. Oh, okay. So, I thought you went to UT. Uh, <laughs> most people do. Yeah. But, you know, that's where we're at, so it makes sense. Why did ITT Tech get shut down? Oh, uh, the uh, predatory lending practices from the government and all that stuff. Huh. Yeah. Uh, and then they changed some federal regulations about for-profit colleges that made it to where they could not conduct business. So they just shut down all their schools. Yeah, is that when they became like Fountainhead College of Technology or something? Uh, I, do you remember I, that? Yeah, I do. And I, well, that's that was in North Knoxville, I think. Okay. And it was its own. And like they stole the ITT j- Tech jingle, though. Well, that's their problem. <laughs> if they're not more creative than that, then that's a whole different issue. Can you believe there's a room somewhere where people sit around and write those jingles for, for community colleges? I can. How exciting would that be? You know, I actually know a guy who did it. I bet it's one of those scenarios where you're just like, let's see what I can do with this yeah. you know or it's like all right fine you just pull something out of your ass oh. i bet i bet it's actually a, a pretty fun way to be uh to be creative because you get these constraints that are like hey guess what you've got to make a you got to make a jingle for a community college that's you know not that much fun right make it, it fun it's definitely its own challenge as a creative person because you're either up for that or you're not i think that's one of those like if you go into it thinking you can maybe do something about it, you might be a little better off because some people can't work in those rigid guidelines, mm-hmm. but sometimes it works. It's being creative is funny. So you, you, you came here to go to college or to go to ITT tech? Yeah, I did and that then- and I graduated in December of 13 and, uh, did some work in the field and then did some not. And what then, kind of field? Uh, graphic arts. Yeah, I did a little. What's that a mean? lot of, uh, 
promotional materials okay. of pamphlets, uh, event flyers. I'm the creative director for Sauce Entertainment, or one of them, and uh, I'm I'm in charge of most of the visual media that is representing that brand for Sauce Entertainment, mm-hmm. which is what it's a production company here in town. Cool. And uh, what do you guys do? We uh. Well, I make art for these uh, EDM productions. EDM productions, mm-hmm. nice. Uh, it's you know, uh, projector visuals, like nice. laser, uh, some laser stuff sometimes. Dude, I gotta mm-hmm. ask Sam uh, Thomas. He showed me something the other night, uh, and it was like it was an EDM artist. You didn't even really see him during the performance, but it was like, um, what's that? Uh, what's that projected? Uh, that like three D projection mapping oh, stuff. Holograms? No, no, not the holograms. Where where you'll see so them like, like motion tracking? Uh, no, where you'll see them project onto Big Ben, like the clock, or on the ice oh, in hockey. Um, oh, what is it? What's um, it called? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Hang on. Yeah. Um, um, you can't think of it either. It's a tough I, no, you one. You got me. Um, <laughs> Something mapping. Something, yeah, it's something. like 3D mapping or something like that. 3D projection mapping. Yes. Some, Let's go with that. Yeah. We, we know what we're talking about. Yes. Do you do anything like that? Um, I don't. For these EDM shows. I don't, but uh, some of the people that get in and around the social circle do. Okay. So so you make the you make like the visual experience for EDM shows. Parts of them, yeah. Which is a big, which is like a, that's a big part of the experience for people. It can be. But I, I have just as much responsibility as the per- I don't mix them live for the stuff. I make the resources for them. You make the assets. Yeah. Okay. So that fella, who is quite talented most of the time, can can make that also really cool in his own way. So it's a collaborative effort. Wow. Do you do you try to get as psychedelic as you can? Um, it depends on the lineup for the show because uh, you know that theme doesn't fit everybody. So if you. If you get an artist, do you get a visual look to work with, like some some grammar mm, to yes, kind of start with? Sometimes, um, if they're really on top of their stuff, they'll have a package of files for you to um, mix up in your own special way for that yeah. event. And uh, you know, if it's a tour and they want a cohesive look for the whole tour with all the posters, you know, they'll give you the assets, and then you yeah. can do what you want with it, and they'll okay it, and you can put it out there. Otherwise, if it's just you know the things I normally get to do with this particular entity, it's uh, he says we got these guys. They want a uh, you know a feel that looks like this on the poster, and uh, let's see what happens. How fun! It's nice, and then sometimes you know it's a challenge. It's the same kind of scenario with the college jingles, I guess. Yeah, you think it's I it's mean, real similar. Are you it changes the... every time, and it's a certain set of you know uh, yeah. points I got to meet. So yeah, it's a similar situation. Are you into the? The thing, the EDM stuff, or no? I enjoy the shows. Yeah, yeah. I really do. Um, what like, do you listen to in the car, though? Podcasts. I listen to podcasts, <laughs> and I do listen to a lot of music. Um, a buddy of mine, Ashton Brown, he just put out an album. I listen to his stuff a lot right cool. now. Um, I listen to a lot of classic rock, heavy metal. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I like a lot of, I do like a lot of EDM stuff, but that's usually what I listen to live because I'll also paint these shows in person you know do live painting so oh that's cool so if i i'll listen to the people on the lineup and see if i like them but if i don't like them i'm still going to the show and painting really yeah is that part of the package that sauce does or is that just you doing something for fun uh it's it's me plus sauce at that at cool. that point because uh he does all the show stuff i do the visuals and you know i show up and i paint that's fun yeah it's super fun 
and usually I have my computer in the car in case something's messed up. So, you know, like <laughs> export some yeah. Adobe Illustrator files. Yeah, I can I can make things happen. So, yeah. If I've got a brush or a mouse, it's okay. Well, you went to school for art and you're working in art. I mean, that's pretty good, man. I mean, it's it's not the full-time job, but uh my full-time job is pretty creative. I wrap cars for a living. Oh, fun. It's uh vinyl is an interesting thing and uh that's the broadest general compliment I can say about it. Not that that's a bad thing, but right. it's such a dynamic material that you can do all kinds of stuff with it. Vinyl's pretty pretty sweet. Mm, I like it a lot. I can make simple things really pretty colors really fast. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's fun. We uh I've always thought about it being like people are talking about painting their cars. I'm like, could you just wrap it for about the same price? Mm. It's uh, it depends on the paint shop and mm-hmm. depends on your paint quality. There are a lot of factors. Yeah, but I would say generally a, a good wrap is cheaper than a good paint job. Really? What's the biggest thing you've ever wrapped? Um, you know the petroleum tankers. Yeah, I've done some of those. Okay, not like the whole thing, but graphics across the majority of them. Ah. Um, you know the Callahan Drive Central Avenue Pike Rusty Wallace Honda dealership. Uh, Callahan Drive. Yep. Mm-hmm. All that blue on the facade of that building. Okay. I touched every piece of that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That, that was cool. Um, that's architectural. That's the biggest thing I've ever done. What's the smallest thing you've ever done? Um, pieces in an interior. You know, like of a tri- vehicle. Yeah, like you know, trim pieces and yeah. stuff on your entertainment console yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. in the middle, and your door handles and stuff. Like yeah. you can brand brand stuff. People put their brand inside their vehicle or what? Or uh, just usually, other things? Usually other textures? I, I, I mean, carbon fiber is really popular. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, if it's, uh, they'll black it out if there's a lot of silver or, you know, change the texture of things. Like, mm. did a Forerunner once that didn't like the metallic texture on some of their dash, so they came in and got it wrapped in a different metallic texture. <laughs> uh, the factory one was not very nice. So they, they've, you know, they hired us to fix it up a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, with your podcast, you've made it like past, I don't know. I I was talking to somebody about it the other day. It may have been on the podcast, uh, that people do it and they get eight episodes in, they realize it's a shit ton of work and then they stop doing it, but you've made, (laughs) yeah, I've made it to 26 episodes, which is cool. Um, That's a lot. It is. And it was two ish a month between, uh, December of 2020 when I recorded the first one for the first time and there's a gap between when I recorded it and when I put it out yeah I sat down with two of my really good friends and uh, we had a, a fun conversation about who we were and what we were doing and what we were trying to achieve as creative people in and around town um, and then the rest of it was just kind of you know bullshittery yeah and uh, you know that's that's what I did for my year anniversary with it I sat down with those two guys and another friend of ours that was really tight and we had another conversation just like that but um, yeah two two episodes a month was a tight schedule for me and how my life is structured but yeah. I pulled it off sometimes it was three a month sometimes it was one but if you average it I think it comes out to two how do you feel about the idea that consistency is important um I mean, it is because people expect it. If they didn't expect it, it wouldn't be important. Yeah. I do feel some sort of pressure about keeping it consistent. And I don't always have like six episodes in the can to feed people when I'm not like actively creating the content. Right. But I'm not mad about it. 
and I hope everybody understands that when stuff's late, I'm still trying to make a quality product. Like, yeah. Not that I'm trying to sell them on it, but like, yeah. I want you to know I'm really trying because I'm actually really trying to give you something nice. Which, if you listen to a span of the episodes, you will understand that I have now a greater uh, technical understanding of the thing I'm trying to do. Yeah. Because I had to fix some shenanigans going on in my setup, and that was like, like you know, uh, jumping in the deep end for a minute, trying to track some problems down. And I got it sorted out, and now my stuff sounds pretty good. So yeah. I, uh, as good as I can make it with what I got. Yeah. It's a... It's definitely an undertaking, and you hear a lot of podcasts that sound like shit, you know. And I, uh, the first couple of mine really did. My first one, <laughs> my first one, I know sounded bad. Um, I think every, does everybody's first one sound bad if you're not like corporate funded? Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, so the reason my first one sounded bad is because I didn't have anybody mix it for me. I just did it myself the best I could, and so it was, it was just all over the place. I mean, that's where I'm at, and it's. It's more of a technical challenge for me, and I, I don't want anyone else to do it because I don't want to give up that creative control yet. Yeah. Not that it's like a huge issue for me, but it's more of a thing like I want to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, I really want to make it work for me. Yeah. Because this is mine. I'm you know? I'm I'm uh, somewhat. Um... I will definitely ask people questions if I have questions. Yeah. But I want to do the work. You really. Know? Yeah. I'm a little conflicted by it because I do want to dig in and become proficient enough in the, you know, in the mixing side and all that to be able to get it and make it sound good. But I also feel like that's somebody's job in the world and they do that and they do a really good job of it. And I'm never going to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That becomes the next thing. Right. (laughs) It's like trying to find that person and how do you, how do you, how do you pay him and all that? Um, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 a tough tough place to land, I guess. It's so, a tough way to figure out how to get there. I don't I don't mind the challenge because it's just another set of tools. Like if you're trying to learn how to use a different shaped brush, you know, if we can use painting as an analogy, then you got to play with it, you got to mess with it, you got to do it wrong, you got to see what works for your hand, you know, all those things. You have to build a finesse with the tool and a familiarity. So if I I don't feels if I've done my due diligence, if I don't like legitimately give everything a good go, no matter how complicated, like right now I have a project at home sitting in front of me. That's like staring me down, like really giving me the daggers. Anytime I walk in the room, I need to put a new uh, control board on a 3d printer and I have to build a new firmware for it. Um, I've built 3d printers. I've never built firmware. I don't know how to do it. This seems intimidating to me. That seems like you need to need to find a guy to do that for you. So I've thought about it. Trust me. Yeah. But I want to give it a go because uh, build build. You want to build your own firmware for a 3D printer. Yeah. It's, it's a thing you can do on the computer. It's not like, you know, you just basically filling in the blanks of this code yeah. for this specific board and this specific machines, putting in all the general quantities and measurements and blah, blah, blah. All the information it needs to understand what it's working with. Yeah. And I've never done that before. Yeah. So... I just want to learn how to do that because it's a task on the list that of things that need to happen. Do you think I've never done it? Do you think 3d printing is a big deal? Do you think it's a game changer? Yeah, definitely. I do too. Uh, do you think it's, I mean, I don't know that it's on, on the level of uh, electricity or an internet protocol, but I think it is, it's going to turn out to be a very, uh, important invention when we look back in a hundred years. So 
for total transparency, I have a serious bias towards 3D printing. Yeah. I think it's a great technology. I've worked professionally with it in the past. It's it's a pretty neat tech. I like it a lot. I own two of them. Yeah. Like the thing that really tickles me pink about 3D printing is residential construction. Like mm. I want a 3D printed house so bad. Really? Yeah. And they exist and people live in them already. How how so if you wanted to 3D print a house, how do you do it? Um, well, where do you start with? Do you, do you do the foundation? You do make a foundation and it's like a traditional concrete slab okay. most of the time. So, uh, so you still got to dig and you still got to pour concrete yeah. and then you, and then you build a 3d so printed house on top of it. At this point, those normal processes are not exempt from this scope of work. Gotcha. Yeah. So you make that happen. And then once everything's nice and square and flat, clean build surface, you, it's usually a, a gantry-style printer with a concrete pump that spe- that pumps a special uh, mix of concrete to do this kind of thing. What's gantry? It's an arm, you okay. know, an articulated arm that moves around like a CNC machine. Okay. But it's just, you know, like 30 feet tall. Okay. It shoots concrete. Oh, okay. So it's a 30-foot tall uh, arm that... It just moves it's around. It's just a gigantic 3D printer. Yeah. That's pouring just, concrete instead of plastic. Mm-hmm. Scaled up. Okay. Mm-hmm. How does it? How, what about forming it and making sure that it doesn't, you know, like a mold, like making sure that your wall doesn't just spill out everywhere when you're pouring it? It's uh, the wall. There's a, there's a lot of ways to answer that question, first of all. And I'm nowhere near smart enough to answer at least half of them. So is there some kind of compound that keeps it that keeps it rigid like a 3D printer does? Like you can yeah. stack 3D printing and it goes, you can build it up. Yeah. But so, if you pour wet concrete... The well, shit just f- wants to get level. It's very right. special concrete. Yeah, okay. It's, it's made specifically for this. It's not, you know, the normal concrete you mix in your bucket in your backyard. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely not. So when you said 3D printing a house, I assumed you meant 3D printing, you know, each piece of it and then snapping it together. You can do that too. That's okay. that's definitely a thing. Yeah, There's so the thing that is really cool about this piece of technology, in my opinion, is that you can implement it differently in different stages of the workflow and, you know, apply that lens to that problem and figure out a great solution to that most of the time yeah it 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 gets you out of it it gets you out of confines of tools that you have oh i don't have a jig to make that cut it's like it doesn't matter you don't need it you don't need it just draw it yeah on the computer and And, then you can print it out and i've done a lot of that just draw it on the computer and print it out uh a lot of my jewelry ideas happen that way like i'll have a shape and i'll just be like Ooh, I've never seen that before hanging around somebody's neck. And yeah. I'm just like, yeah, that's cool. And then I'll just go make it. Yeah. Have you, so have you seen a 3D printed house in person? I have not seen a 3D printed house in person. What are the, so I, I, I got to get this out of my head. I, I got to <laughs> figure out what this looks like when it's done. Is it a two story house? Is it a rancher? Does it so, matter? Are, are there limitations to what you can do? Definitely there are limitations. Uh, Habitat for Humanity just put somebody in their first 3D printed home. Last week, I think. Oh, wow. Um, it's a single level, like 14 or 1700 square foot house. Um, three bed, one and a half bath or something like that, you know. Wow. Um, and it it looks as you would imagine because it, you know. you Crude. Have, it's not, no, dude, it's not crude at all. Um, it has windows and shutters and nice doors and a roof and, you know, all the things you would imagine. It's just the walls and all the vertical load structures are this nice layered concrete mm. that you can paint or treat or do whatever you want to with after that. Gotcha. Like, you could stucco all that and make yeah. it look however you want. Gotcha. 
I, w- I wonder how you run your electrical and all that. I guess you have to do it on the surface, huh? Uh, you can you can drill into it and run it through the walls. You can, yeah, or you can set you know pipes and stuff in the walls to run all your mm, electrical. Like yeah. you can you can set all that stuff up as it's happening. Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. Uh, have you ever seen like it reminds me a little bit of like straw bale houses? Have you heard yeah. of those? Yeah, people just use bales of hay and build houses and then kind of chink over it or stucco kind of mm-hmm. over it. But they use like just chainsaws to cut out channels in it to run their wire and stuff. Yeah, it's <laughs> and they just shove it in there. Yeah, and I don't know that it's that much cheaper than building an actual house, but it's insulated, baby. Yeah, you're going to stay warm. You're gonna stay, or cold, or cool, yeah, <laughs> whatever you, you want. Cause, whatever the weather says you're going to be. Yeah. That's super cool, man. You would think... It, so, do you know if uh, if they're any cheaper to 3D print? Uh, so, you still got to do the foundation. Generally, you still have to do the roof. Uh, depending on the shape of the structure, you know, that's different. Big yeah. roofs, small roofs, you can shape them almost however you want within the scope of design because, you know, you there's not, you can only go so tall or so wide, you know, and you can't have overhangs that are so, so such an angle or more. Right. So, you have some design limitations. I've seen uh, buildings that are tall and skinny and I've seen buildings that are, you know, short and squat. So, that's kind of the two extremes of where designs are right now so you, as far as I know. So, you do think that that 3d printing is a, a is a game-changing technology oh yes certainly 100 okay. right. um it can do amazing things with materials and right. multiple materials and they're doing medical stuff with it too right like yeah you can print heart valves yeah. well heart <laughs> valves have been a thing for a minute they're printing tissue now like <sighs> you can print a kidney not that that'll work in a person but they've replicated you know the tissue of a kidney through wow. that sort of workflow which is crazy I, like I don't understand the bioprinting, but that's cut or bleeding edge stuff. Yeah, so bio bioprinting is yeah, what that's it's called. A, that's definitely a thing. So, so what all are do you know what all they're doing besides heart valves and tissues and all that? Are they are they actually getting that stuff into people? Mm, yeah, and then and bodies uh, aren't rejecting it. I mean, I can't speak on that. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, they I've seen it used a lot in like craniofacial surgery where mm. you can take a scan of, you know, the other side of a person's face and kind of flip it and sort of work it around a little bit to fit, you know, the other person's face and print, you know, sometimes a titanium replacement for the bone or make a mesh or, you know, some really? kind of support structure for what's there. That's interesting. It's so wild. That's man. great. Especially, I mean, yeah, if, if you're thinking of some, that somebody has had some kind of horrible accident where they're disfigured and to be able to pretty much restore them to to being what they used to look like. It's that's, used, that's, it's used uh, in a lot of uh, like prosthetics too, you know, like mobility prosthetics. I don't yeah, know what the proper term is. And stuff. Yeah, like um, people's leg cups. Like if you're an above the knee amputee, you know, your leg mm. cup can oh, yeah. be 3D printed and, you know, to a scan of your leg. Yeah. So it can be, you know, as accurate as possible. Yeah, when are they going to start 3D printing like retainers and mouth guards and stuff to where they're not I think that's $1,000 a, when you go to the uh, I, I, dentist? I don't know, but I would love to know myself. Did your dentist hit you up for $1,000 this morning for, a, for a, a retainer or anything like no, that? No, they did not, but they did make it abundantly clear that if I wanted the like Invisalign equivalent trays, I think they're called Motto at Aspen mm. Dental, that it would be an additional $3,000 that wouldn't yeah. be covered by my insurance. So I was like, oh, okay, no, thank you. Yeah. Have you been there before? I would not. Okay. So I'm you got to be careful with dentists. You do. Head on over to Dickinson Dental. That's my buddy. <laughs> He'll take good care of you, my man. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Brent Dickinson. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, you know, I have health insurance right now, which is, I guess, a luxury. 
and uh, I decided to use it. So I found somebody in the network, and I was like, well, I'm going to go get my teeth done. There so, you go. So, you know. Well, they look great. Your teeth and hair? Half of them look great. Oh, I had the right side of my mouth cleaned. For really? Some reason. And you're like, I got to get out of here. Well, they only scheduled me for half because apparently <laughs> it takes it takes one hour or so to clean, you know, half of a person's mouth. That's how they get you. Well, you know, I had a fun conversation with my hygienist, so it's all good. Yeah, you got to be careful with those hygienists, man. If you get if you get the wrong one, they will they will light into you, man. Man, she, tear she, into you. They'll let you know everything you're doing wrong. She was very gentle good and uh she had very sharp tools in my mouth and she was very gentle so see i think they take advantage of that they got the sharp tools in their in your mouth and they're like i'm gonna tell you everything you're doing wrong she she wasn't like on my case good but i did ask a lot of questions and uh she was mildly entertained okay yeah that's good yeah it was all right that's a tough i mean it's a tough i don't know i'd rather get my hair cut and have a good conversation with the stylist to get my teeth cleaned and have a million things i want to say to this person well it, when i say that when i say a lot of questions i ask like four questions <laughs> that's i wasn't sitting there trying to jabber and her not get her tools in my mouth you know yeah so when she would like do the thing oh, i'll be right back and she'd come in sit down and get chatty i'd be like hey what about this because last time i was there when i got my scan and everything uh she uh Showing a black light into my mouth to check to see if I had uh, oral cancer. Mm. And I asked her what wavelength this ultraviolet light was, and she didn't know. And uh, today I Googled it while I was there, and I was like, oh, hey, remember the thing? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And she's like, oh, yeah, 460 nanometers of UV light. I think is how you say that. Yeah. And uh, that's the wavelength of that particular light that shows you if you have oral cancer or not. Now she knows. And now, she's not going to be stumped next and now time some smart-ass comes in and Well, I'd already told her because she asked me why I had paint on my clothes. Ah, So, okay. I, you know, I had, like, really neon paint on my clothes because I used really bright colors in my art. Oh, yeah. So she's like, what's with the paint? <laughs> yeah. And I said, you know, I, I make stuff. You know, I paint a little bit here and there. Yeah. And then uh, then I was like, yeah, I use black light because I make really bright colored stuff. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, I got one of these. Check this out. <laughs> it's used for oil screening. Open your mouth. Blah. And then blast me with the light. Um. So, yeah, I was curious, and that's what the answer is. <laughs> It's it was great. It, it was a great pursuit of knowledge. We both learned something. Yeah, I I went to, I went to, let's see. After I went ten years without going to the dentist. So that's a stretch, buddy. Yeah, it it was a stretch. It's been like five for me. Just so we're on. Yeah. So we're being honest. Well, uh, okay. I had a bad experience with a dentist. So I had my my pediatric dentist or whatever that that I went to till I was you know till I grew out of it, and and then I moved to California. And while I was in Los Angeles, I didn't. I went to my dentist back home once. Uh, and then when I came back, it was time to find a new dentist. I went to this guy. He puts a camera in my mouth, shows me all the cavities I have in my teeth. And he's like, we need to, do, you know, uh, here's what I want to do here. Here's what I want to do here. And then just ran me through this whole, this whole thing. And, you know, was about to do $10,000 worth of dental work on me. And then I, uh, and then I went back to my, my pediatric dentist like six months later. And I was like, just didn't say anything about my other checkup. And then I was like, do I have any cavities? She was like, Nope, you're all good. <laughs> and I was like, so this dude was just trying to take me to the cleaners. Is that what you're telling me? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I got really disenchanted with the whole thing. Aww. I know it was, it was a, it was a bummer. So I got kind of nervous to go back to one. I so how I, bad was it when you went back? <laughs> Cause that's the question now. Like how bad was it? How bad was it? Yeah. Let's get into our dental hygiene stories uh, here. I am 36 years old. I've still never had a cavity, and I had a 10-year gap in 
going to the dentist. So that's, that's impressive. I don't know if I'm a good brusher or have hard teeth. I don't know what it is, but I got I, I got lucky. I'll I would not recommend impressive. going right. to the not going to the dentist for ten years. Now I'll go every six months. Well, five five was a stretch. I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. So did did she uh, did she uh, have her work cut out for you when she got in there? She did, <laughs> but it wasn't extreme, you know. But she's like, this is you know, she was excited to to mm. treat it. So I was just like, all right, cool. Like she said. I'm so glad you came in today. This old man canceled on me earlier, and I'm having a really good time picking the tartar off of your teeth with Can't my hand pick. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, you know, cool. And she's like, this is really satisfying for me. This is why I love my job. And I was like, oh, shit, that's what's happening? It- all right, cool. So I just <laughs> like I just laid there with my mouth wide open, let her pick at my teeth, and just just took deep breaths. There you go. Yeah. I don't hate going to the dentist, but since you see this glorious bit of red hair in front of you, I have to have more anesthetic than most average people oh redheads have to have more. yeah that's definitely a thing man it it is yeah so um my whole family's redheaded bless their hearts i know (laughs) i i got a little bit here and there but uh i've never heard that it's it is true Uh, really like it's medically proven true yeah uh more anesthesia uh so she she gave me several shots i don't know how much she wouldn't have given me if uh i wasn't redheaded but she said she knew what i needed because I was redheaded, so I said, "All right, let's go." She but, gave she gave you a, a local anesthetic to clean your teeth. They had to get up in my gums. Oh yeah, yeah. So it, she said it would hurt pretty bad because mm-hmm. I did ask. Yeah. That was one of the four questions I asked. Like, how bad would this hurt if you didn't, you know, shoot me all up before we got into this thing? Yeah. And uh, she's like, "I mean, we're getting like five millimeters up into your gums. It would probably really hurt, dude. I uh, I can't with the needles and well, it the, wasn't needles. You know, it's like a machine that cleans the surface of your teeth. I know, but she had more. to numb you, didn't yeah. she? Well, she, she put like a topical anesthetic on it first, so uh, I didn't feel yeah. the puncture. I mean, you still feel it, but you know, it didn't hurt. Oh, dude, I can't. That's why I'm. I, maybe that's why I'm a vigorous brusher because because uh, <laughs> you don't like I needles. Don't want the needle in my gum. I don't it, want it's the not, drill in my mouth. It's not that bad. It's yeah. really not for me, but. It is what it is. Like, yeah. I get it. I don't like it, but it has to happen, so I'm just going to let it happen. So how's your uh, – h- how do you feel like the future of, of your podcast is, is going to look? You in- include more disciplines, more kinds of people oh, yeah, that you're having for, on and for coming sure. in. Um, What's your big picture like idea with it? Big picture idea, have it be self-sustaining enough to have maybe its own space that isn't my basement mm. on a general basis. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, bring in a wider variety of people and have a nice, like super optimistic, have a nice presentable place that is comfortable above all. Like comfort is the, yeah the main thing here. Yeah. Uh, you know, it sounds good. It'd be a fun place to be and just, you know, have cool people come talk. Like, yeah. as long as that ball can keep itself rolling, I'm pretty okay with what's up. There you go. Do you want to, do you want to keep, would you, would you like it to be your only job? Mm. Or do you want it to just kind of supplement what you do? So if it was my only job, that would be really sweet because yeah. then my work schedule would be really open. Yeah. And then that would have more time for me to be creative otherwise. You might have to put out more than two a month at that point. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. That wouldn't surprise me. But yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because I I have this workflow timed out okay. Like I know how much time it takes me to do these things, so I don't hate it, you know? How much time does it take? I um I'll spend between one and two and a half hours taping an episode, depending mm-hmm. on who I'm talking to. Uh, you know, I've had a couple two-hour chats with some guests. That's, you know, that's a good time. I like the longer talks. Um, and then 
post-process could be anywhere from, you know, 10 minutes to 45 minutes. Okay. And then, so, so you don't cut it down? No. That's cool. that's one of my things. I, I, I edit it as little as possible. I mean, like, I'll if there's stuff on the front end that's just, like, casual banter. Yeah. And then, like, I'll cut it to where it starts to get related to the, the content I want to present. Yeah. And then... Um, and then that's usually about it. Like if somebody has a song or something they want me to put in there, I'll tack that on at the end. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really don't mark, you know, I don't chop it up because I tell people from the front end, like this is an explicit conversation. My, my podcast is marked explicit. Like this is a raw conversation between two creative people. You don't know what's going to happen. Just be aware that you might hear some shit you don't like. Yeah. Well, I think it's hard to, I think it's hard to edit a long form conversation down and still have it maintain the integrity of a long and the nuance of a long form conversation. Oh yeah, totally. There are tonal things through a conversation that if you listen to a long conversation, like the pace changes, the tone changes, sure. The thing, you know, it, yeah. it's dynamic yeah. as much as the content of the conversation itself. So when you chop those things up, put one in a different spot, you know, put it next to something else, it doesn't flow the same way. I, I agree a hundred percent. And I, I think that's a different product. That's a different kind of product. If you want to edit a podcast, I think it becomes, um, you know, one where you have somebody hosting it and then they're cutting away to, you know, sound bites that happened mm. that happened throughout a conversation with somebody. I don't and that jive. becomes a different thing. Yeah, I don't jive a with different that. tool. I, like I don't mind it. I like I don't mind like deep dive podcasts and investigative journalism podcasts. Like I stuff would rather like watch that. that. You would? Yeah. That's that's a more visual thing for me. Yeah. That's because I want to see the thing. You're right. But I want to see the thing they're talking about. Yeah, but like, like, what about Serial or like This American Life or S Town? Did you have you listened to any of those? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm fine with those. Those are nice programs. I enjoy them. But I like some content. I have a visual bias towards because I'm a visual learner. Yeah. Like if it's something I'm really interested in, I I would be more comfortable like retaining that information if I've watched a video about it. Have you watched um, Netflix Explained that that uh, series? I feel as if I have watched at least one of them. Yeah, it's it's deep dives like fifteen or sometimes up to thirty minute visual deep dives into certain topics like cryptocurrency or I think I did watch that sugar one. or the game cricket or you know sleep. That sounds like fun. It's super fun. Sleep is I love the science of sleep. Yeah. Uh, oh man, it's brains are crazy. Yeah, that. Yeah, they are. I asked I asked my wife one time because she's. She's a, a, a medical person, but also like a holistic practitioner and healer in her past. Uh, and I was like, so is sleep more for your body or for your mind? And she was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I was like, well, is it more because your body needs a rest or because your brain needs a rest? She was like, well, it's kind of the same thing. Like <laughs> your brain is part of your body. <laughs> Oh man, the the that's this is such a fun conversation. I love I know. like those thought experiments tickle me pink because is is consciousness part of the body or is it separate or is it just some weird yep. thing in between? Like sure. how, do you separate it at all? Is it yeah. just what is it? Yeah. You know, it, it's fun. I like when I get into a spirited conversation about such things. Yeah. It's great. Um so my wife is also go ahead consciousness is separate from the body in my opinion since the topic came up (laughs) for the record i'm putting it out there right now since you asked i think consciousness is separate from the body you do yeah i do 
Why? Why? Oh yeah. boy, that's a good question. Um, I feel as if it, you're connected to it, obviously, but sure. it's not the thing that it is you totally. So it's somewhere else. It's off. Like it is ephemeral or ethereal. It is a. It's a. It's in the ether, so to speak. So things can pass through it from it to you and you to it. And one of my things that I've experienced being a creative person that some of the things that end up in front of me that I've created, I don't feel like were my idea. Really? Yeah. So you felt like your consciousness was a conduit for somebody else's idea? Not somebody else's, just an idea that wasn't exactly mine. Okay. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that somebody else's idea beamed into my head. Okay. I'm just going to sit here and tell you I have no idea where that came from. I just can't tell you. I thought it up in my brain, willingly, Mm. myself. Okay. I feel you. I'll buy it. So what about what about darkness? Is darkness uh, uh, a thing on its own, or is darkness the absence of light, which is another thing? I mean, it's both of those things, <laughs> honestly. Well, you can't have one without the other, so they're also like mutually exclusive. But there, you can't be mutually exclusive with oneself in this manner if it's a separate entity. So, okay. you know, I've always thought it was the absence of light. I'm I'm here with both of those definitions fit. See, this is the thing. It's a it's the different lens at the same problem. Okay. Like it's you know, yeah. if you think hard enough through this lens, I think everybody can come to a common solution. Like, yeah. uh, science, math, art, like it's all a different lens to the same kind of thing. I got you. There's some kind of universal source and all this creative power. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I so another question I asked my wife about the brain. Um, well, no, I, I didn't ask about the brain, but she's um. Yeah, she's a physical therapist and so and a, a yoga practitioner, a yoga instructor, yoga therapist. Uh, and so she's really in tune with her body and the body in general. She's she's extremely knowledgeable about anatomy and physiology. Uh, but I was like, I asked her one time, I was like, if an engineer were to build the human body, would they have what would they do differently? Everything. Absolutely everything. <laughs> 100% everything. She was she she said her biggest thing was our heads are too heavy. They are pretty heavy, <laughs> especially if you got a big head. Now, that's not like that's not even being sarcastic. Like, yeah. if you got a big old noggin, like it your back hurts sometimes. Yeah, like yeah. All, all that all that force on your spinal column, which yeah. is maybe the most important part of your body, like I mean, to keep the whole limbic system working. It it's it's foolish. Like <laughs> the human body is such a, if you if you were to like analyze this as an engineer it, it's so foolish really yeah so you you think there's a lot of optimization that could be done so much man yeah and i'm just talking about like the way the body works mechanically yeah yeah why is that like what stuff doesn't like click together so, or knock around? so knees are terrible joints like, yeah they're bad they're they're really bad like everybody knows somebody that's had a knee injury i feel like yeah like tearing your acl like your meniscus all that stuff breaking your uh your kneecap which my sister did that once it was terrible Ugh. for her Ugh. But she can tell the weather now though yeah, yeah, tell you when it's about to rain because mm-hmm. her knee hurts. Yeah, exactly. She a redhead too. She is. Yeah, a lot yeah. of anesthesia. A lot of anesthesia yeah. for her as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's just wild. But uh, like, I I feel like I watched a Discovery Channel program on this once about how the, a, an engineer would use more efficient forms from nature to build a human body and they like turn their knees around backwards kind of walk like a like, camel, like an ostrich, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, some wild thing and you know. 
just changed them. But that's the one thing I can really remember. But I was like, damn, look at that walking around with his leg backwards and shit. His hit the top of his feet's hitting his knee. Look at it. He's a specimen. Yeah. So I was just like, oh my god, this is so cool. You know, I was like twelve or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, it would. Engineers have a laugh at the human body sometimes. Yeah, I'm for sure. sure. Yeah. Like shoulders are also ridiculous. Hips are all right. Like that's that's a really mechanical concept. But oh, shoulders and knees. Well, but everybody's silly. hips blow out. Like every every old person you know's got a new hip coming. Well, you know, a Just titanium about. hip's pretty cool, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but you would think the ball and socket would be a really good uh And they are until shit hits the fan. Yeah. Yeah. They have one really big stress point and I think we all know where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. The the, where the, well, it's where the stem of the ball attaches to the joint, where it's like that almost 90 degree angle. Oh, right here, yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people break Is their stuff Is that the right part there. that goes? Yeah, most of the time. Unless you take like a side shot and break your femur itself, it's it's a bad time. Uh, the femur's the biggest bone in the body. It yeah. takes a lot of pressure to break that bad boy. Mm-hmm. People do it all the time. I know, and then it's they're wild. in like full body cast pretty much because you can't bend that thing. On well, my sister's cast, when she broke her... her uh, kneecap was like up mid thigh really yeah she was scratching her knee with a coat hanger and shit Ugh. have you broken any bones um a toe once oh man you lucky K- uh, coffee table uh running up some steps nice believe it or not um i was running to answer the phone i was downstairs got into the got into the foyer three more steps until i was on the level mm. of the house i needed to be slipped fell ran across the living room answered the phone did my business on the phone which was nothing nefarious it was my uncle like <laughs> I, I was i was uh, that was, I think it was the week before my freshman or sophomore year of high school. I think it was my sophomore year of high school and, uh, something like that and broke the hell out of my toe. Really? I looked down after I got off the phone. I was like, that ain't right. Ah! <laughs> you know, like then it started hurting. You didn't feel it when, uh, I was running, dude. I was oh, in, man. I was in the zone. Adrenaline. Gotta go get that phone. Yeah. You know, mom's like, go get that phone. That's and I, not bad. It was my uncle Tony. I was like, Hey, is your dad, you know, he's like, is your dad home? I was like, no. But I think I broke my toe, so I'm going to have to go phone. He's yeah. like, oh, uh, 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 all right, well, tell your dad to call me. All right, all right, cool, bye. Yeah. So then, you know, my mom came up the steps, and she's like, I ain't broke. You just dislocated it and grabbed it and wiggled the hell out of Ugh. it. Mm. It's gross. I can't do the, I can't do the thing. I can't do the now, Bless her heart. Like, stuff. she meant well, but that yeah. really hurt. Yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty good. You're you're pretty fairly tall, dude. I'm six four. Are you really? Yeah, I'm a little tall. God, I'm not super tall, but people ask me how the weather is sometimes. I'm yeah. that tall, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's bad every time. <laughs> I get more compliments by the little ladies that ask me to reach stuff in the grocery store. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, they're so sweet. <laughs> well, they ask you to get cereal, uh, like or? bags of flour that are on the top shelf. Like why? Why? Yeah, why? Forty yeah. pound bag of flour? No, a five pound bag. Oh, okay. The forty gotcha. pounds on the floor, but they ain't bending over to get that. No, yeah. they're only making biscuits this weekend. Like, <laughs> you know, so that yeah, that happens at least like once a month. Yeah, gotcha. it's cool though. Sometimes I ask them to get the thing on the bottom shelf. <laughs> you should, I, I, man. I can't bend over. I just want you to feel useless. Or I don't want you to feel useless. Right. Can yeah. you please, man? Can you grab please? that? I did this. Can I did you do that? This. I don't even need it. Uh, right. It's like, why are the burritos, like, why are the burrito shells all the way down there? Or the tortillas all the way down there? Well, what, uh, what else we got, man? I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to, uh, I'm really glad to meet you. Same. And to get, to, to get to know you a little bit and hopefully we can. I mean, we're working on the same kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, what's your one? Uh, so I have a core list of questions in my bit of media yeah. that I really like. And a lot of it is about like uh workflow or headspace or the mediums you've worked with and things like that. Yeah. So, uh, what's, 
What's your workflow like? What's your headspace <laughs> for making this thing? You for know? this thing? Yeah. Um, I started it because I am a big, uh, a big, uh, podcast listener. And I started to notice that lots of, lots of people have interesting stories and they're not proprietary to famous people. Oh yeah. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a lot of people with interesting stories out there. You just have to be curious and ask the right questions to get to it. And I just started thinking about all the people that I knew of in town uh, and how I've read, you know, newspaper clippings about them and, you know, a quote here, a quote there. But it's like you sit down and talk to this person and there's a crazy interesting story in there that you don't get out of out of a out of a, you know, uh, an article in a newspaper. So um, that's why I wanted to start it. And then um, to get it going and get it off the ground, you know, it took like it took a few things. It took a name for the podcast. It took a place to do it, which uh, is in progress still. I mean, two years, we're still working on it to get it perfect. Um, and then, you know, a format music album art or, you know, cover art for it. Like all, all that was like, it's like, Oh man, I forgot. We have to do all, all these things to get it together. And then, you know, booking guests, getting them over here, you know, pretty much cold calling people that I don't know and asking them, you know, sending them a link to the podcast and saying, Hey, would you like this? Yeah. Would you like to do it? And now (laughs) it's become easier because people are more familiar with it now that you know now people reach out to me and and so i i have to reach out to people less now which is easier now i just have to schedule them and and get them in here um and then i mean if you want to keep going with the workflow thing like i'll um we'll have them in on a monday or tuesday uh if we're doing video producer sam will be here and um he will do the video switch uh, and he'll also record the audio. And then after we're done, we go our separate ways. Usually they stay and hang out for a little bit by the fire. We hang out, we do something bullshit for a few more hours sometimes. Yeah, yeah just hang out. Yeah. Because it's fun. Exactly. And then, uh, you know, the next day or, or usually on by about Thursday of the week that the, the week before the episode comes out, uh, I will, um, record my intro, my outro, send it all over to Sam. And then Sam will put it all together and mix it, get it sounding good. Listen through the whole thing, make sure it sounding good. If there's anything that he wants to take out, he will. Uh, and then he uploads it to the, um, he uploads it to where it's supposed to go. And then it's scheduled to go out at 5 AM every Monday morning. And, it does. And, and it, it goes. And it, <laughs> and it gets, goes. And it, and it goes. Awesome. That's the workflow. That's a pretty sound workflow, it seems like. Yeah, it's good. Um, I'll do a lot of... I mean, uh, the podcast also makes, like, ancillary work. So we have, like, the Patreon crowd. And um, so I will, you know, I try my hardest to create as much content for them as I can. And I'll go through ebbs and flows where I'll do a lot. And then the mm-hmm. next month I'll do a little. And, right. It happens. Uh, uh, yeah. And, um, because I appreciate them so much, they're the ones who, you know, are helping us remodel the studio, you know, so it's, and, and helping us buy new gear and thanks y'all. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so 
I'll, that's another, like another need of the podcast. Um, and then preparing for having guests over or, you know, ideating on who the next guest wants to be, or like we've been after there's, there's two or three guests that I've been working on getting here for like a year (laughs) almost. I've worked on, uh, I worked on a couple of people this year that took me a few months to get. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if, if it's just like timing is bad or they really don't want to do it, but they're too nice to say they don't want to do mm-hmm. it. That happens. Um, which is fine because I don't like rejection myself. So <laughs> leave it on red. Just kick it. Just kick the can down the road a little bit for me until I forget about it. Um, but, but those are all like the ones I think just because there's more credibility there because I've done over a hundred of them now and there's, you know, names that they recognize on there. Yeah. Now people are a lot more willing to come over and, you know, now they're even reaching out to me, like I said, a little bit. Um, does that answer yeah, your yeah, question? That, that answers pretty well. Um, what puts you in the place to want to make a podcast? Like, what was your creative journey like to get there? Um, <clears throat> well, I think just being, being someone who listens to a lot of podcasts, being a podcast user, and... Uh, I don't know. Well, I, I knew it couldn't be that hard to create one. And of course it's harder than I thought it was, but the technical <laughs> part's not the right. technical part. I understand technical part is easy. Um, it's the, it's the creative labor. That's the heaviest. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I thought there were a lot of untold stories out there uh, that would, and I'm just naturally curious, I think. And so to be able to have a microphone to be curious into, uh, and get some of those answers. It is it, it is enjoyable, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It is. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think we've kind of done that. Um, <clears throat> there's There's been, you know, a few repeat guests that have come on, which I didn't know if that was ever going to happen. Um, because in, originally I thought, you know, somebody comes on, they tell their story, and off we go. They've told their story, mm-hmm. you know. But... You know, there's a few a few folks who maybe we did maybe they told their story, but they still have more to say next time. Or, um, so did you have a good time listening to Cornbread? Uh, listening to Cornbread him on uh, the podcast? No, having him on the podcast. Having him on the yeah. podcast. It's maybe my favorite one. Oh, I love Cornbread. Yeah, yeah. Have you met him? Oh, I know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's wonderful. He he's on the fringe of one of my creative social circles. So yeah, I've I've known, I've seen him play a lot of music. Yeah, he's uh, he's great. Yeah, but like you know, he'll be on the show at some point. Some people, yeah, good. Some some people had to turn that one off because they couldn't, you know, because they just couldn't get there. You know, that's or, okay. they, or they didn't, or they didn't like the f bomb. You that's, know, that's okay. I mean? yeah. I, see, that's why I mark my stuff explicit. Like I really don't. I don't want to put any unnatural constraints on this conversation. I just want yeah. people to say what they're going to say, and that's something he does for sure. Well, Cornbread's a good example of somebody who's been on twice, and I should probably I've been playing phone tag with him for a few days now. I should probably <laughs> have him back over for. We kicked off last year with 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 uh with him so oh yeah you should probably call him back yeah have, have him back we've been trying to get in touch with each other can't seem to yeah, dude he's all over the place him. he's he's recording an album right now is did he? you know that no oh he is It'd be great for him to come by yeah he he i'm sure he would like to talk to you about yeah it. you know curtis glover i do had him yeah. on the show and that's probably my worst sounding episode really i, I apologize to curtis yeah my microphone setup was not as good as i thought it was so 
when he moved around in the chair, I, I, I missed some audio. Yeah, but that's why I, you got to wear your headphones, man. Well, yeah, but that's that's <laughs> on me. So whatever, I, I own that shit. We talked about it. But yeah, uh, I know him. I've done I've done similar events with him, and you know I know him mildly through social knocks. You yeah, know. he's a big EDM guy. Is he? Yeah, he likes that stuff. I, I know he listens to all kinds of stuff in his earbuds. I just you know have never uh, all picked his brain about it. Yeah, yeah, but that but he's another one who like is he's coming back here probably in the next month or so cool and it's like he told his story but still like we have some you know the, the state of the union to talk about <laughs> oh man yeah uh or his union one so i ask people what it's like to be a creative person in knoxville mm. because i want people to hear the relevant experience of being a creative person where they live if they live here and listen to this yeah you know, i want them to have a different perspective onto their city yeah. or wherever it is these people are that they wouldn't have otherwise I have trouble like uh, I I have trouble uh calling myself a creative person anymore because I feel like I, it's become such it's become such a part of my daily life every, what I do from you know making video content or making this podcast it it doesn't feel like a creative thing for me anymore it don't it, and, and i don't know and i don't mean that it's not enjoyable because it is enjoyable it just seems like automatic almost you oh, know so what you, i mean you're so familiar with the routine now yes it's it, i don't know if it's <laughs> i don't know if that's what like burnout is or what but it doesn't like when i'm when i'm creating um when i'm creating content for a client like if it's if it's a, a you know video a commercial campaign or something like that like i I approach it in such a pragmatic way that, that I it it I don't find myself sitting with my feet up daydreaming into the clouds about ideas. You know what I mean? So is that a good thing or a bad thing I don't for know. you being creative? I don't know. Um I, I you'd have to ask the people who see my stuff. Okay. Or listen or listen to my stuff. So you confidently can't answer that for yourself. I don't know that I can because I used to be that like our air quote artist, you know yeah. what I mean? That, that, w that was wanted to just create. And, and I do still, I mean, I obviously, I mean, I don't have to make this podcast. I do it because I, right. you know, because you want to, <laughs> because I want yeah. to. And, and selfishly I, you can, so, right. so you make it. So I guess it is, it is, uh, a, a, it is creative, I guess you could say, but I, I, I just, I always, kind of equated creativity to, to being artsy and I don't feel artsy anymore. If that makes uh, sense. Yeah, I get that. I get that a lot. I don't. I just want to make stuff, you know. Yeah. And it's not. It's not like I'm going to sit here and claim the title of a maker because you know I build stuff or engineer stuff. It's yeah. just like I want to make the things I want to see. Yeah. And whatever that may be, like I've sculpted things, I 3D print things all the time, like of my own, you know, original designs. Like, uh, you know, I paint all the stuff I see in my head as much as I can. And yeah. I, if I can't trust somebody else to make the things I want to see, so I make it for me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. That's creative. That's creative as hell. I try to like it. Yeah. It's just the logic I've attached to how that drive affects me as a human because you know I don't have to be creative. It just happens to be that I am, yeah. and it's part of my personality as you know this this thing. That... Well, I'm jealous of you, man. I, I and like a bunch of people that that uh that i see you know a guy named jordan peltz who i who i work with he's a director and a wonderful writer and wonderful director great at you know lensing stuff too cameras 
you know, probably one of the most creative people I know. And I'm so jealous of him for being so unencumbered with like the, he doesn't think about budget when he's writing a script. Oh, he doesn't nice. think about, well, yeah. And I, but I think that that to me is what creativity is. Right. Cause it's, you can whittle that back. Right. That's a well, great place to start. Yes. But to be unencumbered from reality yeah. when you create stuff. And that's why I think I, that's why I think I sell myself not sell myself short, but I, but I honestly don't feel like, like I'm a creative anymore because I can't do that. Uh, that unencumbered creation. Like I'm always, I'm always thinking about something that, that ties it to, that tethers it to reality. If that makes sense. Well, then you're just between creative bouts. I, I'm not going to tell yeah. you, you're going to say, okay. never do that again. You just haven't done it yet. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. But, but for me, like the thing that I want to, uh, the thing that I want to create is experiences, I think. And that to me is like, rather than creating something tangible, like a painting or um, I guess a video you would call tangible, um, instead of creating something like that, I would rather create a moment. Does that make sense? Yeah, like a, a space and time. Yeah. yeah. I would rather create an, create something that happens and happened um, and is maybe fleeting. Uh, that That to me is like has always been exciting to me creating moments between people creating you know almost like concert promotion or something or music festivals like you're creating this place for something to happen and it happens and it's over yeah i'm talking about that on a micro scale right like like making something like like oh man we made you know you and i made this happen sit down like this that that to me gets gets is creatively fulfilling And, and so everybody knows how small the world is like uh i saw Curtis post about your podcast, I think a couple of weeks ago. And then, uh, I went and looked at your stuff. I found it on Spotify. I listened to like four or five episodes and I was like, I should give this guy a call. So I shot you a message on Instagram and you were like, sweet dude, let's go. And, <laughs> and here we are. So yeah. that's, that's exactly how small the world is. There was, you know, what one degree of separation between yeah. you and I via that channel. Yeah. So, you know, it's just one, one message into the ether and then here this thing is. Yeah. There you go. Not much to it. I like I like how that works organically. Sometimes it doesn't always work like that. Well, yeah, I I have uh, I don't want to make stuff hard. I, you know, I, I don't I don't want to be the guy who kicks the can down the road right. the, and tell you that we'll get to doing this sometime. We'll do it next week. Right. Oh, you know, something came up. Can't do it. Yeah, blah blah blah. My kids, you know. Yeah, right. I, I can have excuses all day. If you right. Want so can everybody else. Do it. Yeah, right. but I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the flake. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to. Want to do what I say I'm going to do. Yeah. yeah. I generally try to stick to whatever, uh, date or context I put this thing in because that's what I said I was going to do. That's what, the, that's the information the other party involved has. So I, you know, if you do anything different then they don't know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm with it. Cool. I'm with that point of view. Yeah. What are some of the other things that you ask or that you try to get into on, on your podcast? Um, you know, there's general chatter. I'm not yeah. gonna lie, because okay. you know that happens. But you have a cut. You have a, a little bit of a, a a track you like to keep it on. Then you um, let it go from there. I mean, in general, it goes anywhere from like 45 minutes to an hour and a half, and I, I can usually weave my questions into some general conversation that's art centric. It's not yeah. like we're just BSing about everything and it's brother, and then all of a sudden I ask an art question. You know, like I try to steer it and keep the context of the conversation in an artistic genre. 
and then you know the relevant questions I'll ask as they come up in conversation. So yeah. normally after I ask about somebody's workflow or their headspace, I'll say like, well, what tools do you use? Mm. You know, to exercise your creativity. Like obviously yeah. you use all kinds of softwares and cameras and lights. Sure. Um, some people don't. So yeah. what what do, what do they use? And they'll tell me about it, and I'll ask them, what mediums have you practiced throughout mm. your life? Like, a lot of people start with watercolor or graphite pencil, and then they'll be like, oh, then I started oil, and then I picked up the trombone, and, you yeah. know, <laughs> like, all that kind of things. That's you know? great. And then I started doing this or that. And the the meandering of someone's creative journey is a really um, insightful topic to me. Like, as a creative person, that's the thing I like to know about how you got to the style you're at now. So that way I, I understand how you got there sure. to make that look that way. Yeah. Who are some of your like favorite interviewers? Oh God. You know, I, that's a funny question because I don't think I've ever thought about that question. Um, well, I pay attention to it now. Yeah. Like I exactly. never did before, but um, I don't, I don't really have a good answer for that question. I think and I, that might be uh poor of me. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm all over the place. Like, Marin is the one who got Mark Marin is the one who wanted got me wanting to do this podcast. I, I I've listened to some of his content. I'm not the biggest fan. Yeah. I'm, well, he's I, he's very opinionated about. No, some that's things. fine. I like as a comedian and creative person. I don't like he didn't entertain me as much as he yeah. does other people. He entertains me as an interviewer. Uh, I don't like his stand up that much, honestly. I mean, it's 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 good. Don't get me wrong, but it's not my style of. Of of what I uh, what I think is funny, maybe I'm too simple. He he's get, gets pretty out there and gets pretty heady. <laughs> he's the one who got me into it. But then there's like, I'm more of an Ari Shafir kind of yeah. like ridiculous comedy kind of person. Yeah. Like that's that's I like listening to fantastic ridiculous things. Like I like the the fringes of things. Yeah. Like, so I listen to ridiculous stuff like uh, just you know raunchy comedy and stuff yeah. like that. A, a you lot like Theo Vaughn? Ish, yeah. We almost had him on the podcast. That would have been cool. No, dude. That, he would have been a, a fun conversation to have. He's got all kinds of stories. I know. Uh, and uh, let's see. I, he's he's fine. He's a good interviewer, I guess. Uh, I like, uh, but the ones I, like that I started to like pay attention to and go back and be like, these guys are really good. But, and obviously, when I say these names, you're going to be like, yeah, they're good. Yeah. But like Larry King, uh, just. He, he wouldn't. He'd say whatever he wanted though, because like his name was on the bill. Huh? He would say whatever he wanted. His name was on the bill. Like, yeah, it's his. It's it his was. production. So it he was. Just but it's whatever. way different than like. It's way different than anybody. Uh, any of the other people like uh, like Marin's style is way. Marin tries to right. relate it to himself. Larry King is just you know hitting you with some some pretty well thought out questions over the head. Yeah. He's got, he wants to know things. Yeah. So he's asking those questions. Yeah. But I also think Howard Stern, um, is like a good, a, a pretty good interviewer. Um, at, at, and, and by good interviewer, I mean like finding the right way to ask the question that is evocative. Um, he definitely asks those questions all the time. He better not provocative, but he, right. you know, to, to get, to get somebody to, to get, um, to get, the right thing out of the interviewee. I think Howard Stern does a really good job of, of putting his questions together and he gets a, you know, no, he's the guy, you know, who asked, who asked about his mom's sex life to her face. So it's like, I mean, people just kind of throw him out as, as a shock jock or whatever, but like he's, 
if you actually do this, if you actually interview people and, and realize that it is not, you know, that it is kind kind of difficult, you start to appreciate guys like that. who. Yeah, it is kind of difficult. Yeah. Like having to navigate your way through a conversation that isn't exactly uh, uh, comfortably fluid in some way or fashion is, is difficult. Yeah. And, and it can be terribly uncomfortable. You get nervous before? Um, Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Uh, I... I just try to ignore it, to be completely honest, because yeah. it's not doing me any good. Yeah. You know, I'm there to do the thing. That's not the thing I'm there to do. Yeah, I've got one coming up I'm pretty nervous about that I've had coming for a while, and I'm just I'm just super nervous. Are you willing to disclose? I'll tell you afterwards. Okay. Yeah. That's why I asked the way I did. Yeah. <laughs> like, I ain't going to force it out of you if you don't want. Like, I ain't going to say nothing. Well, no, I just don't want – if it doesn't happen, then you, right. you know well, what hey, I mean? Look, I don't, I don't make no promises. Like, yeah. you know, as like you can't as a creative person. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those things. I, I will tell people all the time, I would love for this to happen, and then the thing doesn't happen. That, like, not that I didn't yeah. try. It just didn't work out. Yeah, like, exactly. That happens with a lot of canvases. They ended up painted over black for a second time. Exactly. You know, yeah. it happens. Like, I'll give it another go, but, you know, it didn't work that time. Yeah. Well, dude. I'm glad to meet you. I'm really glad that we did this. Yeah, I'm happy to sit here and chat in your other microphone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we should do it again sometime. I'm up for it. Hit me up whenever. We'll do it. All right. Sounds good, man. Take care. I'll have you uh, over in my studio and uh, AKA secret recording space. I'm there. In my basement. <laughs> I'm there. Just let me know. All right. We'll okay. do, man. Take Thank care. you very much. You got it.